Hello, welcome to the Richard Herring podcast feed powered by ACAST Plus. Thanks so much for listening to these. Do tell your friends if you enjoy them. The Can I Have My Ball Back Tour is back on the road this week. We're in London on the 7th in the Bloomsbury Theatre and Leicester Square Theatre on the 9th. I've got quite a lot of tickets to sell for both of those, so if you're in London, please come along. Then the 13th in Cambridge, few tickets left for that one. Uh, Leicester on the 14th, Leeds on the 15th. Uh, Salford on the 16th, Newcastle on the 17th, which is sold out on the website, but I think there might be a few more tickets to release. Uh, So do come along if you want to see me talk about my balls and one of them not being here anymore. It's a very funny show. Four star reviews in the Telegraph and the Standard. Um, Anyway, look, let's sit back, relax and enjoy another fantastic podcast from Richard Herring, the genius podcaster. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has an idea that will revolutionise the game of association football. It's Richard Herring! Oh yeah, hello, very hello, hello, lovely to see you. Should have killed me last year. Hello! Welcome uh, to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, Though I was hanging around with Darius from Popstars the other day. It's not even from the X Factor, he's from Popstars. He calls it Rallistabus. He's doing okay. He's doing all right. So, um, old Darius, he's doing all right. Um, (laughs) I was watching football on the TV last night. I don't usually watch football, but I was watching the game. Quite good. Uh, The goalkeeper had a beard. Don't usually see that with a goalkeeper, right? And I thought... Is there a rule that stops a goalkeeper growing a beard that's the size of the goal and then gelling it up so it's like solid hair? It's a hair wall. Can't be penetrated by a football. Don't think there is a rule that says that. So I am going to become a billionaire because I'm going to start up a football team. Mate, you're not even bothered with the other players. I only have to pay one person. I mean, we'll always draw nil-nil, but that's... May I have one other bloke. Um, not much else. We went, oh, we went to see uh, Back to the Future, the musical. Yeah, you like it? No, it's great. It's, you know, it's, if, just watch the film. Uh, and uh, <laughs> film's better, though, isn't it? The film's better. <laughs> you know what I don't like about it? All the songs, isn't it? <laughs> That's what ruins it for me. <laughs> There's a bit that my, I went with my kids again, and my, I, I told a story about my son at Tilda making the whole audience laugh. Go and listen to it if you haven't heard it yet. Can't remember what show it's in. Uh, but at the beginning, this one, quite early on, Doc Brown says the word crap. Uh, and my son turned to my wife and uh, said, what does crap mean? Uh, it's kind of made everyone laugh again. He's got two. He's been in the theatre twice. He's got more laughs than I have. Very good. It's all right. It's okay. If you like Back to the Future. Being changed a bit. <laughs> and uh, they're going to use up all my stand-up in this first episode. That's how it's... Not going to have any. Uh, I've been reading, um, with my daughter at night, I've been reading a book called Fantastically Great Women Who Made History. Uh, it's a nice thing to read with my daughter, um, although it turns out uh, that nearly all the fantastically great women who made history are dead and died <laughs> making history. But it's nice. It's nice to give us strong role models. Uh, I enjoyed... Sometimes I find out stuff I don't know, most of it, to be honest. Uh, Elizabeth Blackwell I'd never heard of, I don't think. 
who was the first woman to get a medical degree, possibly in uh, in America. I think, uh, anyway, she was. She didn't. I mean, she's dead now, but she didn't die in the story. She was an impressive story. Uh, but she finally think, got into a, a university off the top of my head, remembering in Geneva somewhere like that. Uh, and uh, the only reason she was allowed to enter the university was because they asked all the men at the university uh, if they would vote to allow women to study medicine with them. Uh, and they all just assumed it was a joke. Because <laughs> that was so ridiculous. And so they voted yes as a joke. <laughs> and she got in and was top of the hat class. That's the way to do it, girls. So, so it's good to have a live... One of the women survived, as an example. It's nice to have, uh, nice to have that... To, for, your, for your daughter, isn't it? Nice to say, look, you can do it so it's kind of embarrassing how, you know, how awful history is to women when you're going through it uh, with your daughter trying to inspire her. Um, anyway, my guest this week is probably best known for her appearance on the Antiques Roadshow. That's why we're here. <laughs> She's mainly known for... Will you please welcome the amazing Emma Debiri, ladies and gentlemen. Dabbery. Fuck, I did it. I did it wrong. After all that, Dabbery. I, I knew I would. I knew. And we were we were joking about it backstage about how I got a name right. Yeah, I was so impressed because my, <sighs> he said my name correctly, which is I'm just not even used to hearing the correct <laughs> pronunciation. I was like, wow. And then I said and I prefer it, it my way. Yeah. And, then <laughs> and then it was stuck in my way. Damn. How was the Antiques Roadshow for you? Do you remember being oh, on the Antiques Fantastic, yeah, what career you, highlight. What did you do on the Antiques Roadshow? I can't remember. I, just don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> you, you sprung that on me. Um, what were we looking at? Um... I actually can't remember. My wow. <laughs> if I was on the Antiques Roadshow, good, I'd remember all it, about it. It was a good few years ago, to be yeah, fair. Right. And, like, quite a lot has happened since then. So Did you have to tell the, the person what their object was worth? No. I think we were just talking about, like, its historical, its historical importance. There was something about... Um, a cabaret singer who'd been really like big back in the day. But I can't remember what the object was. I'm sorry. This isn't a very good story. No, it's very good. I like it when people are bamboozled by their own their own life. That's what I enjoy. Now that's it's a kind of joke I do at the beginning. I pick on something obscure. It's all right. Um, there's lots to talk to you about. Uh, I'm going to try and keep it light for a bit. <laughs> For a little bit. What did I have that was like? Oh, it was the Antics Road Show. That was that was <laughs> That's your that was a lot. Um, so look, let's well, let's talk about you. Uh, you you grew up in Ireland. Well, you weren't born in Ireland, but you grew up in Ireland. No, I was, I was bo- born, born in Ireland. Yeah, went yeah. away. I, I was born in Ireland. Went away. Came, came back. Right. And yeah, was raised there. Cool. So um, city. And, the, and and the, that that's as a, a, a half Nigerian, half Irish person. You sort of talked about how there weren't any other black people at all in Ireland, really, at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I saw another black person, that would be like something of an event. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, a, a, unusual. It was like a 99.9% white country. Yeah. Um, so just very little difference in any way, you know. Um, like if someone even had a surname that wasn't an Irish surname, like that stood out, you know. So yeah. actually being being black was a big deal. And do you feel um, that Ireland's changed a lot, right, in the last few decades? Yeah, yeah, like, it really has. It, it, whilst I think England especially has gone quite a long way in the other direction. You could say. Uh, yeah. And so uh, obviously it was not necessarily a, a, a pleasant experience, but do you feel um, that as a writer and, as, and, and uh, an academic, do you feel having that sense of growing up somewhere where you you know were different than everyone else was a was a positive thing for you in some ways if you ignore yeah, all the horrible yeah, racism yeah. that no, you I, <laughs> <laughs> no i think like alterity alterity oh god i'm so tired i cannot speak this, this is gonna be a fun evening i think like being like an outsider and kind of like observing stuff maybe from the margins can give you like in, an interesting perspective yeah. And I also just feel I was having lunch with somebody else who was Irish today who had left at a similar age to me and been in the UK for a similar amount of time. And we were both talking about how when we were growing up there and hers was nothing to do with race. um, But like I was saying, anything that was in any way different, you know, was it was a very, very socially conservative country until very recently. 
Um, so anyone that was like in any way different kind of was, go was going to leave. Um, we were talking about that, but we were talking about how looking back, there are so many things that we're grateful for, for having grown up there. Like, I think my perspective is very Irish. Um, my worldview, my sense of humor. So in, with hindsight, I'm great. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm Irish Emma rather than like American Emma. Cause yeah. I could have been if I'd stayed, if I'd stayed in the States. So. I couldn't, didn't necessarily think that at the time, but yeah, in, in hindsight, it was, um, yeah. Because we had a comedian called Phil Wang on a few weeks ago, who's half Malaysian and half English. And mm -hmm. he was sort of, he's written a book called Sidespitter, which is excellent, um, about sort of not feeling that he's, both feeling that you're both of those things, but neither of those things. Mm -hmm. So in, in Malaysia, he's too white, and in England, mm -hmm. he's, he's too Asian. Uh, and so he's sort of he's sort of like an outsider, mm -hmm. but it gives but but also it gives you a perspective. I think as a comedian, especially, it kind of it maybe more so, it gives you a sort of perspective on both the cultures. Yeah, I think as a as a comedian, as a writer, I think there's a lot of professions actually where it gives you like a particular insight and perspective that can yeah. be that can be rich. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel does it? I mean, because it's it's interesting with obviously if you're you're half if you're half of two things. <laughs> Uh, and uh, do you do you feel the same as Phil? Do you feel like n not Irish so, in Ireland? And no, like to be honest, I wouldn't describe myself as half Irish no. or half Nigerian. I would say that I'm Irish and Nigerian. You yeah. know, um, I don't think that you have to. Yeah, I don't really buy into that whole like system of categorizing people, like you know, into kind of like quotants like that so yeah. yeah i would say like i'm an, an irish woman yeah, yeah. not half irish mm. or sometimes people would be like oh my god you're really like in touch with your irish side and i'm like what are you talking about like i'm fr i'm i'm irish <laughs> you know irish people don't really say that it's usually english people they're like oh yeah you're really in touch with your irish side i'm like yeah because i'm irish so anyway <laughs> but it's you know it has changed so much and i saw the i saw the um uh, the documentary about now i'm terrible with football uh, football but the manager charlton was it, was it the manager of Ireland, Jack, Jackie Charlton, uh, who was a big fan of Paul McGrath? Who's the, Paul uh, McGrath. Paul McGrath. Yeah, we don't pronounce the T-H. Okay. Who was a... Uh, got everything wrong so far. Every, every <laughs> I wanted to say Paul McGrath as well. I thought, I, I thought, I thought no, it's just Paul McGrath. In this <laughs> um, and, uh, but he, again, he, I think... Do you think his story, it's sort of... He, he had a, an awful childhood and... and uh, had quite a lot of repercussions into his adult life but the island really took the people of ireland really took him to heart uh after the success of the irish football team mm -hmm. um and do you think that's was would you think that was a big turning point for for ireland and, <laughs> no, i don't think paul mcgraw was like was a big turning point for ireland actually i'm a, I'm a bit traumatized by paul mcgraw because when i was growing up they'd be like is that your dad like that's my association right. <laughs> with paul mcgraw um or being called pauline mcgraw um so yeah i don't think he was the turning point no. but i think like that that's the thing that happens you know if somebody it's changed now because there is there is like a black and brown kind of like irish identities emerging and communities and stuff in the way that there certainly wasn't in my time or in mr mcgrath's um but i think when somebody you know had um shown themselves to be like exceptional in the manner that he had then there's like kind of a claiming but i would imagine that when he was growing up his um he was probably rejected because i was kind of told i was always told you know you're not really irish so i would imagine it was it was it was similar yeah. for him yeah no okay um well look <laughs> i really um, didn't expect us to be talking about you, there'll, be a, there'll be a lot of stuff you're not expecting there'll be a lot of stuff you're not expecting <laughs> believe me <laughs> it's going to go a long way from this phrase. Um, so uh, your first book, um, which uh, I have not read, but I've read about. Uh, That's totally grand. Because it didn't, I ordered it from Amazon and it didn't turn up. And Miriam Margoli's book is about 4,000 words, pages long. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's, that was uh, about people touching your hair or not wanting people to touch your hair. So the book isn't about people not touching my hair. But that's, that's what it... <laughs> but the, the, tit the title yeah. references yeah. that social phenomenon. Sure. But I guess it's kind of a... Um, it's quite a, 
you know, straightforward, kind of simplistic title. The book is about, like, it's about a lot more than just the phenomenon of unsolicited hair touching of black people. I mean, there's, like, there's a chapter. So what I, what I wanted to do was um, show... We were, there was starting to be this conversation about black hair kind of entering the mainstream. In black communities and, like, black cultures, hair is... Um, you know, something that just like a lot of creative energy is poured into and hair is kind of like a big deal. Um, but I think people outside wouldn't really know that. But that was starting to become kind of something that was entering into mainstream conversations. And then there was like a backlash against that being like, oh my God, they're just banging on about hair. Like it's only hair, you know, it's not a big deal. So I wanted to write something that demonstrated like why, like why black hair matters, like why it is important. Um, so just going into the kind of, social history of um of 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 black hair and ways in which you know you can actually see a lot that is going on in terms of where we're at in terms of kind of race relations and stuff based on people's hairstyles you can see histories of like resistance and assimilation and all of these politics are expressed through hair and the way hair is policed and the way hair is worn and stuff so it's like a a history book that goes from pre-colonial africa through like slavery, the Harlem Renaissance, um, into today and the future and kind of Afrofuturistic. So it's cyclical in time and all of that good stuff. So yeah, it's not, ju- it's not just about hair. No, no. Um, good. Because <laughs> I've got uh, Chinese hair. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. I know, so I know... I don't fully understand what that means, well, but... <laughs> I went to a Thai barber and he told me I had uh, Asian hair. Okay. Yeah. So, you know... I mean, you have lovely hair. Yeah, so I know a lot about what you're talking about. That's what <laughs> the, it, Mainly, my life has been not much prejudice, but whenever my hair is seen, people are very prejudiced. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, so I know, I know a lot of you talking about I'm, I'm, I'm sorry um, to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in that book, you talk about... Uh, like, it, 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 it is sort of interesting... Um, the way that Beyonce and uh, Lauren Hill are treated very differently, and one chose to westernize her hair, and one chose to not westernize her hair. Is that? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I yeah, I mean, I don't think it's just the hair. I think like Lauren Hill was somebody that had quite um, like her politics and her whole output was very different to Beyonce's. I think they're just very different artists. It's probably no coincidence that that diff- one of the ways that difference is expressed is through their hair. You yeah. know, Lauren having locks and Beyonce having that. But then the attitudes of people towards those two artists as well. Did you think that, that she's, Lauren Hill seems more militant? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think especially in those days, you know, but I, I, I don't think she's seen as more militant because of her hair. But I think um, her militancy is also expressed through yeah. her choice of hairstyle, you know, as opposed to, in contrast to Beyonce's this is, this is the quote that I wanted to... This is what I was looking for earlier. Uh, Until the late 1990s, being black and Irish in Ireland was to almost unicorn standards, except everybody loves unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> very good quote. Thanks. Um, <laughs> And so the, the new book, which you wrote during lockdown... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what White People Can Do Next. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it, it is a provocative title. It is. Well, I wrote a book during to lockdown... To elicit such reactions. I, joke, I wrote a book called, in lockdown called The Problem With Men, and the same thing happens... Ah, is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. ...is that people <laughs> read the title and decide... But then but that's a deliberate choice to, do, to make the, the title provocative so that people are then, you know, hopefully, rather than going, oh, no, you can't tell me what to do next. I'm going to tell you that they'll yeah, read the yeah, book yeah, and find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there was a lot of that yeah, reaction. Of I had a lot of, like, really irate um, people who are racialized as white message me and say, how dare you write a book telling me what to do? I'm not taking instructions from a black person. Um, and That's I was... not like white people, is it? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, surprise. <laughs> but, you know, within three or four pages, I have identified why it's actually, like, a really problematic title, you know, and how I actually see... Like, I'm challenging... I'm not just talking about anti-racism. I'm actually trying to challenge the whole concept of race and yeah. looking at these generic 
categories like white and black and saying it is actually preposterous for me to write this missive to white people like who 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 is who am I addressing you know so I'm kind of looking at the language and the framing of current anti-racist discourse and critiquing it yeah and it's interesting that white people have a lot of it not all of it but yeah. but you know there's a lot it's a it's a short book but there's a there's a lot packed in there and it's quite hard to unpack it all I think it's there's a lot of things oh, no, I'm really sorry to hear that because well, it's no, meant but, to be kind of like a, but, a, a crash course no but it's good because it makes you think a lot but there's stuff that I'm you know I've read it twice so does that make up for not reading the first one uh, <laughs> and and I'm, you know, there's still, but I, you know, I'd not thought about the idea that, uh, I mean, for both white and black people, but the, the, to categorise white people and say you're all in a gang, and whether you're from Russia or Finland or wherever, you're all you're all the <laughs> you're all the same group. Is yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't take that, you know, from for, for any other kind of. So it, it is odd to be categorised as a. Uh, in white and black people and as black well. is the same it's, it's yeah exactly there's huge diversity that yeah. exists amongst people who are racialized as black you yeah. know there's lots of different cultures lots of different um conditions and ideas yeah it's just that huge diversity in these generic categories that were invented in the 17th century yeah so you know? so the book argues that it's not. It was in sixteen eleven or something like that. The idea sixteen sixty one. Okay, that, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> that the the idea of black and white was created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which you know, again, people are going to go. But there were black and white people before then. There weren't. <laughs> there weren't. That's what I say in the book. I'm just yeah. like in the history of humankind, white people are babies. They've only existed since sixteen sixty one, but so have black people, you know. So obviously, there have always been differences in complexion and hair texture and all of those things that we now understand as race, racialized difference. But the idea that those things had any intrinsic value didn't exist until the invention of the idea of a white race and and a black race. Yeah. Um, and it was created um, the first time we see a reference. So these these concepts that we have of ourselves as white people or black people that are presented as, you know, just the natural order of things, you know, they're just consistent categories that happen to exist, um, are really relatively recent ways of us understanding ourselves and each other. And they were the concept of of a white race as we understand it now was first introduced in the English colony of Barbados in 1661, codified into law through these slave codes. And the reason it was created at that time in that place is various things were going on. But one of the reasons was to enshrine this notion of superiority in the group who came to be known as white people to justify the enslavement of the group who came to be known as black people, um, all of the, the kidnapped Africans that were in Barbados and in the Americas, whose labor, um, the colonies were becoming increasingly reliant, the, the economies of the colonies were becoming increasingly reliant on. Um, so to justify um, that kind of brutal system of exploitation, the, the idea of a white race that was innately um, superior and were the natural kind of lords and masters of this black race. And that's when blackness started to be associated with all of these negative characteristics and white, white people with all of these virtuous and positive ones. It was to justify that system. But another reason that it happened in that moment in Barbados was because, and I think this is really interesting, um, the, in, the Europeans that were in the colony had no sense of themselves as white people or having kind of a shared identity as, as white until the idea was was introduced and it really took it really like caught on um, <laughs> um but there was everyone like in terms of europeans that were there there were like indentured irish there were english landlords scottish landlords there were all of these different classes of european people from different countries as well who had no share sense of a shared identity these laws were introduced after there had been a number of uprisings where enslaved Africans and indentured Irish had come together to attack the English and Scottish landlords who they saw as a common 
enemy. They're like, they're both exploiting our labor. Um, and this was really like threatening to the status quo because there were more of those people if they all came together. Mm. And one of the things that the idea of, of whiteness did was to shut down those coalitions emerging between like white workers, the people who came to be known as white yeah. workers and enslaved Africans because it, it, it introduced this kind of immutable difference between them and this notion of, you know, the superiority of one and the inferiority of the other. So it was actually also to prevent, um, yeah, these kind of cross-racial coalitions from emerging. Sure. And, and that's, you know, that's stayed with us ever since, really. So, the, so I mean, weirdly enough, in my book as well, which does touch on uh, uh, All Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter and all that nonsense, the All Lives Matter bit, uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> as well as, the, as you know, the, the, the sexism and stuff. But it, but it is... The, the men who sort of in my my books about the men who go when's International Men's Day when there's an International Women's Day, uh, and and yet my conclusion was not exactly the same as yours, but it, but in that actually the system is weighted against those guys not because of women but because of, of, the, of the ruling elite who are the ones who send them to war, and all the men go well this is bad for men this is bad for men this is bad for men, and the reason those things are bad for men mm-hmm. is because the people in charge exactly and 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 they've bought into that idea of men and this is the same thing with by buying into the idea of whiteness feeling a superiority to other people and 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 then feeling threatened by those people because you've been told to whereas the real enemy is the people uh, with all the money with all the money yeah 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 and uh, people are distracted from identifying that because their focus is on the wrong people, you yeah. know, who they've been kind of conditioned and manipulated to see as their, to see as their enemy, even though they might have a long common. Yeah. So you're talk, you're talking about the idea of a, co- a coalition of uh, of people understanding that and and coming together, rather than being sort of forced apart. Well, I just think it's I think in this moment when you know race is kind of so high on the agenda and there are so many conversations about uh, racism and anti-racism. I think it's really important to have a familiarity with that history and to know that race was invented to justify racism and to enshrine this kind of hierarchy of races. I just think that is history that is kind of yeah crucial for us to know, and it's it's very it's not very well known at all. Like most people are quite surprised when they're yeah absolutely because I think in the UK especially we're not taught that we should know again is. Why, when will it be White History Month? Uh, is is the same? It's the same thing. We're not taught the reason there's a Black History Month is because we don't know any of this stuff, and you yeah, know, and, yeah. and increasingly we're sort of being told to, you know, be proud of our of the colony, you know, of the British Empire, and but all this sort of stuff. But the stuff I'm right? talking about is English history. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know why well, they, I did they his- choose not to teach that part. I did history at university, and I I didn't know. You know, I, you know looking back at it, that I did a I did a mod. Well, I didn't really do any work anyway, but that's irre- irrelevant. <laughs> I did. I did something about slavery and emancipation in America. That was yeah, the, yeah, yeah, So yeah, that was yeah. my special subject. Outsourced. Yeah. yeah. And I only did that because I couldn't speak any languages, so <laughs> that I had to do something in America, and that was that was what I was offered. Uh, but but you know, so it's not something that that was covered at all. You mm-hmm. know. So it, it is it, it is interesting that um, yeah I, the I, but it, the book it seems you you're, you're saying you know there, sh- there shouldn't be white guilt and we and and. and and you don't like the idea of um, uh, checking your privilege and all that sort of stuff. And yet it half, it half seems that, and it half seems like you're really calling for the whole of society to be destroyed and start again. I, don't, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, there's, I don't know but there's, like, there's that great analogy, there's the analogy you quote about a, a, a slave ship and the, you've got the slaves chained up underneath and the, and the, the guys, uh, the white guys above taking the ship. And the answer isn't to let a few of the slaves up to be on the upper decks with the other guys. The answer is to get rid of the get slave rid of ship. the ship, yeah. But isn't yeah. that what you're saying about society, therefore, if, if that's the... Well, I mean, the, the beauty of art is interpretation. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> because, if, because if, you know, the capital... You, you talk about capitalism and capitalism has to change. But if capitalism changes, it's not just about saying, well, let's make it fair so that the... So that the the best people get to have the have the money and everyone else does the work. Yeah, it has to be. Otherwise, it's just creating a different underclass of people. So well, presumably, you don't want that. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like you know the the the. So in the book, I have a, a section that is inter- 
says it's called interrogate capitalism. And it's just looking at the kind of origins of the system of global capitalism that we live under now and how its origins are at the same time that race is being invented in these in, in these English and European colonies and how the system of, um, yeah, that global financial system is intimately linked to the to the creation of race in that in that historical moment and so the relationship i say race and capitalism race and capitalism are are siblings you know and then i also kind of link all of it to the our current environmental crisis and it's that type of that exploitation of um human labor and the exploitation of the earth's resources and the pursuit, you know, of just constant growth and profit has brought us, has not only brought us to this crisis around race, but has also brought us to this moment of environmental crisis. And so those two things are also, also kind of like intimately intertwined. And um, the current system is not, is, it's just not sustainable, no. you know, by, by any calculation. So we can only continue as we are in this direction for going in this direction for a finite amount of time because literally like the earth can't sustain it yeah you know but we just kind of ignore that so you're claiming you're calling for the overthrow of us of us society no because the, the chapter is not called overthrow it's called interrogate capitalism it's just like think about these things yeah you know? think about and it think and about then the way overthrow i mean i agree with it i think it's but it does you know it is absolutely it, it's sort of when you when you think about the the damage done to the world by European it's European people, so let's call them let's just call them all white people. Uh, you know we've we've fucked up the world, right? We, we create this awful situation. It's it's and it's sort of, I mean, you know, the, when you look, I mean, I hope people will look back at be able to look back at our time and 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 laugh at how ridiculous and awful. It is, but you look back three hundred years, and you think, how did how did people like put people in slave ships and take them across mm-hmm. an ocean? How did they morally do that? How how were they able to to live with themselves after doing that? And they were able to do, it. yeah, yeah. So they they came up with some reason for doing that. The irony, I mean, you're talking about a lot a lot of the slaves worked on tobacco plant tobacco places. And then they're making tobacco, which then killed all the white people smoking the tobacco. <laughs> so it's like, it's creating these awful situations for everyone, yeah, where the, the, everyone the, the, loses, the, the, yeah, the, and then the, they destroy yeah. the world. <laughs> and that's it, in a nutshell. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, that's what I feel with the, you know, the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with my book, is that the, the feeling of these people propping up these systems, that if they thought about it, you know, the answer is to, is to change society very quickly surely yeah no absolutely 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 and i think the emphasis needs to be on um on on that rather than you know this current kind of almost fetishization of interpersonal privilege like the type of change that needs to happen with something of a degree of urgency is not going to happen on that interpersonal level so all of the emphasis on check your privilege and all that is actually, I think, quite distracting. You know, yeah. I think our attention is in the is in the wrong place. And in the book, like I say, you can't just jump to coalition. Like I think there there needs to be like an honest. So one of the other chapter, I think one of the first chapters is like stop stop the denial. So I think there need there needs to be an understanding of the the the, the fact that when whiteness, when the idea of white people is invented. It is invented to enshrine this notion of inherent superiority. So we shouldn't be surprised when racist things happen. Race was invented to justify racism. So we need to have that as our starting point. We need to understand that. But then we need to kind of move, we need to move on from that. And I think rooting everything in this, as, as I said, this kind of interpersonal privilege level is um is not very strategic and won't bring about yeah yeah what needs I, to happen well it feels like check your privilege when you see that it's it's more like you're not allowed to comment on this is it that it seems a way of shutting someone out of a conversation as much as i understand why it's there and i've had you know there are i think it's good for people to understand the way they're privileged if they're not they're not looking at it that way yeah, but yeah, just yeah. to say just just to say check your privileges is, is sort of a shutdown you do talk about social media being sort of 
not helpful really in this thing. It's a way of saying something and not doing anything. Yeah, so I think social media has been like really powerful and helpful in like the, the global response, you know, that happened that we saw um, after the murder of George Floyd and all of the changes that seem to be subsequently happening. Like I think social media was really, really powerful in in bringing us to that point. Like I don't think people would have paid as much attention if it hadn't been for the power of social media. But I just feel that um, when these conversations about um, race happen only on social media and people are getting all of their learning about it from social media, it tends to be quite reductive and polarizing. And these platforms are not just neutral platforms where people are just, you know, kind of exchanging um exchanging information but they're actually they're spaces where um you know outrage and division is incentive is incentivized so when you are having um all these conversations about something like race happening in a landscape where division is incentivized that is potentially like pretty disastrous so i think social media can be like a powerful tool for bringing your attention to issues that you didn't... that creating um, kind of awareness of issues that people really didn't... might not have known about. But I think their understanding of those issues has to go beyond the information that they see or find on social media. You know, people have to kind of read more further... And just be seen to say the right thing rather than than act upon it. So, you know, there's... There's always, but there's an element of that. In, it's not just social media. In life, there are the, the kind of people who just want to say the right thing yeah, and exactly. never going to do anything. So that's one of the things that I say about guilt. You know, I'm saying guilt is not a, a generative um, emotion. I feel like guilt paralyzes people. But also, if people are operating from a position where they're just trying to make themselves feel less guilty, and it's about them in that way, I think the actions that they, that motivation. The actions that stem from that motivation, I think, are just likely to be performative, piecemeal, and and inadequate. But if you're motivated from the from the from knowing that you are also, in certain ways, oppressed or exploited by the system that we live under, and you're actually actually acting more out of self interest rather than out of I feel guilty and I need to I need to kind of do something about that or I need to not be called out or whatever, you know, yeah. kind of fear of being called out. Um, I think the action taken will be will be very different. Like, yeah, so I don't I don't think guilt is particularly helpful. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now, I hope the book would just tell me what to do next. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of work. You told me to read books and stuff. I wasn't expecting that. I also uh, encourage dancing. Though. Yeah, dancing as well. Um, but here's a specific example, and what should I do in this situation? I live in a small village in uh, 
Hertfordshire now. Uh, and uh, there's... <laughs> and there's uh, a guy who walks his dogs, who, I, who I, I just nod at every now and again. We say hello when we pass each other. And then I passed him one day, and he was wearing an All Lives Matter T-shirt. And, you know... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> should I say anything to... No, I didn't, I didn't say, mate, just Black Lives Matter means that, means the same as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah, Black yeah. Lives Matter, not yeah, being yeah, clever. Yeah. We live in a village where there are some black people. There aren't very many black people. There aren't many ethnic people, but there's, you know, there's, there are some. And you're thinking, this guy's walking around with that T-shirt... Is it wrong for me to wimp out of... of I mean, I've mentioned our podcast now, so I'm, you might, you might listen to, Is it wrong for me to wimp out and not go, mate, don't... I should go, don't wear that around. It's embarrassing. So if, if you just say to him, don't wear that, like, that's probably not going to be that effective no. and he'll probably get really defensive yeah. and he's almost probably trying to... He's, it's quite provocative, him wearing that. It is. So he probably almost wants somebody to say that. But maybe... And I, this is where I feel like you would have more energy to do this perhaps than a person who's uh, racialized as black or some other racialized group. Because when you're kind of having those confrontations regularly and it's literally about your life, that's weighted quite differently than it would be for you. So you should have the energy to have like a a conversation, I feel, with him just to kind of like probe. And I think in, in in a dialogue, maybe you could be more effective in shifting his opinion than just saying you shouldn't be wearing that yeah you know i could give him a copy of my book which is about about that but i it's weird that i don't that i you know that I, that's where you feel like ah so like i've written something but i'm not prepared to you know because it, you, it's exactly that i feel you're right i feel but if, if i said written anything, something you, uh, you have all the resources yeah. to probably be quite convincing and compelling yeah. to him in conversation so just, yeah you should try that just, I would just call him a prick pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> and I mean, you're totally entitled to do that, and he probably is a prick, right? But, like, <laughs> I guess it just depends what outcomes we want, you yeah. know? I mean, I think almost certainly he thinks he's doing... He thinks he's making a point of, hey, look, you know, we should care about everyone. That's what he thinks. So in his head... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thinks he's being... I think he thinks he's being a bit of a prick, but he thinks he's making a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Sad. all right. So if he wears it again, he's in trouble. <laughs> can, I have to, can, I have to, can I ring you and get you to talk to him if I... <laughs> no, 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 no. That's your job. That is my Set, job. Hand him my book. I'll, I'll hand him your book. I'll hand him, my, I'll hand him my book. Let's get rid of some of my books. <laughs> Got a big load of them in the back of my house. I need to get rid of them. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you uh, an emergency question. And it's... Why are white people the best? No, it's not. It's, uh... oh my God. <laughs> let's see what let's see what comes up. Oh, these this these are by my daughter. This this is I, my daughter wrote some of these. Okay. Would you rather be the floor or the sky? That is from my. Definitely the sky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an easy one. Not like the <laughs> questions you were asking me backstage. I was like, what? This is another. <laughs> this is another from my daughter. I haven't paid her for this. Would, what would you rather find at the end of the universe, Candyland or Pink Purple and Pinky Purple Land? Pinky Purple Land. Yeah. yeah. Everything's pink or purple. In Candyland, Candyland is everything candy. Everything's made of sweets. No, I can't, but, yeah. can't deal with that. I'd have to go pink, yeah, pink, purple. Child, there was, those are childish questions. <laughs> is the next one going to be more sophisticated? It is. Would you rather find a magical land by walking through the back of your wardrobe or by being caught up in a tornado? Definitely the wardrobe option. Yeah? Yeah. I watched The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe with my kids yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I mean, it's... it's stupid, isn't it? It's a it's classic. Loads, it's loads of talking animals, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense. Ridiculous. Didn't get to the... I didn't find out who wins in the end. Uh, it's, a, it's a Christian allegory, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Aslan is... God? Uh, he's yeah. Satan. He's, he's what? Aslan. <laughs> Aslan is Satan. Um, he just eats all the kids in the end. <laughs> the gets alternative to be, to the end, If you get to the last, the last uh, book. Um, so the, well, the guilt thing is quite interesting because there is, you know, there, 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 I, I do feel, like I was talking about reading this book about... Um, fantastic women with my daughter mm. and just like i feel 
my daughter actually said, uh, said, what, what? I said, in the past, women weren't, you know, people thought women shouldn't be educated. She went, what, so they didn't go to school? And she, I said, yes, that's brilliant. You just stay at home. <laughs> so I don't, got, I don't think she got the right. But it's sort of that. It, I do, you know, I feel embarrassed just reading that book about uh, women. Uh, and I do feel like, you know, I just feel, well, all the stuff that's happened with the Colston statue, which, from, which is from Br- Bristol, near where I grew up. Um, and, you know, people, obviously it's wrong to pull down statues without, without asking permission. But he, uh, Shocking he talks to berries. So I feel very guilty about that. No, I, think, I, feel, I feel, you know, it, it is amazing when you look at the, the history of Britain and the UK, how much of, uh, of the societies built, Liverpool and Bristol, oh, yeah, yeah, built yeah. on Slippery slavery. with the blood of slaves. And so what, how do we... How do we make up? I mean, I know it's not it's not our fault, but as you say in the book, it's how we act with that. Is there? How do you feel we should act in the modern day with with the with the money that people are? I mean, there are rich people who I guess are still rich off of that money that was made in in those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From... And often people who were powerful then, um, and their power was you know kind of consolidated or certainly enhanced, you know. Through the through the slave trade, a lot of their descendants are still powerful today. You know, yeah. um, so I think at the very at the most basic level, there just needs to be like a truthful reckoning, like with the, with the history, with the history of Britain. You know, like I think that that is like the most basic thing that needs to happen. And it's not about like people are like oh you can't make me feel guilty for da, da, da. and I'm just like yeah but you don't have to feel guilty for something that your ancestors did, you know, but you have to take responsibility for what, what you do. You know, we've all been born into this system. We've all inherited this system and the architecture of race. These are, these are decisions that were made like, you know, centuries before we were born, but we don't have to just blindly continue to reproduce it. You know, we can actually make things oh my god i should have turned my phone off that's very unprofessional i think it's my mum as well she's kind of stalking me sorry mum um i think i just turned the ringer on um, <laughs> i'm a little delirious i didn't have i didn't have very much sleep last night um i've got young children and i understand yeah, yeah. we're both um, the same we're both in a fantasy this probably isn't happening <laughs> <laughs> We've gone through the back of the wardrobe. We might have done. Um, so yeah, I think there just I think there just needs to be I don't think like Britain has had an honest reckoning with the truth of, you know, empire and imperialism and the way that has shaped the identity and the culture of the country. And again, it's not about like, you know, haranguing people, but it's just about being honest about the the history and how and, you know, then people will be like, oh, but why are you banging on about something that happened like 200 years ago? And I'm like, well, because it completely shapes the present. Like, it's the reason why things are the way they are. It's the reason why we're having these conversations. So, yeah, there just needs to be that, that honest engagement. And what do, you, but what do you feel? I know you sort of say in the book you don't think that it's helpful to talk about an end game. But where, what are, what are, are we ideally getting to a world where, that, where race... Is, is it just isn't a factor or are we ideally getting to a world where you know everyone is appreciative of their own cultures and yeah i mean because well, it's 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 it, it and i did a routine about about how you know the in a way racists are more liberal than liberals because they see the world as four four kinds of people They've, and some of them only see it as two kinds of people so they're very close to seeing everyone is exactly the same they just need to make one one more step, whereas the rest of us is 195 different peoples, and we're a long way away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But are we are we aiming for a world where race is just seen the same as hair color or eye color or height or whatever? I mean, like difference will always exist, and difference is like a beautiful and one and and and, and wonderful thing. You know, like the kind of diversity that exists in the world is um is is phenomenal and it's not about creating some sort of like homogenized um you know standardized well i mean that is kind of what what does happen but yeah that's not that is not the aim but when i think it's just important that we know um that 
this architecture of race that we see as um, a, a foundational principle um, and the only way of viewing the world is just a relatively recent phenomenon. It's not something that just naturally occurs, just happens to be in nature. And it was invented to, in, to create and enshrine racism. Yeah. I don't know necessarily, like, I don't have a prescriptive that this is what we do when we know that. But I think if everybody really understood that, that would be at least, you know, a starting point, yeah. you know? Because it is true that people don't, you know, people go, oh, well, you know, we're, it's, in, it's in, in us innately that if people look different, they, they're not from our tribe and they oh must fight them. But everyone seems to get on with, except with gingerhead people, they, also, they all seem to get on with... They all seem to get on with it, but, you know, those sort of differences. Apparently, people with ginger hair actually have, like, really poor outcomes right. on, lots of, um, on lots of markers. Um, yeah. Somebody was telling me that recently. Like, they actually... I, I don't know. Well, I mean, they there's, do... There's des- studies on They it, deserve but, like, it, though. That's the thing. So, that is... <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the difference. <laughs> it's okay. If Come on, we've got to be allowed to be racist towards one... One lot of people. And if it's just the gin, if, it, if we move on to the gingers, not, will you, look, look, will you what, come what on us? What does my book say? Stop the false equivalency. Come on. We know, we know gingers aren't a race. Aren't we silly? Um, no, what, what was I... No, there was something I wanted to say and I've forgotten. But, um, yeah, I think we, we, we at least need to know about the fictitious nature of race. And it's not to say that racism doesn't exist, because then some people try and take it to that conclusion. Yeah. Racism is real and present, but um, race was... was 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 created to 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 create it and actually that's what i was thinking you know when people are like oh well racism it's just human nature there's been racism for millennia yeah. that is objectively untrue like that's, that's just not true there's always been prejudice you know um but it actually being racism is really really a new in the in the kind of scope of human history it's a new phenomenon right. and i mean in some ways the United Kingdom seems better about this than when I was a, a kid, mm-hmm. right? And I was as racist as not as anyone. I wasn't as racist as Hitler. Uh, I was as racist. I was, you know, I was I, I was racist as a kid. I would I would think just because I mean you talk about it in, in your book, but there were you know there were nursery rhymes with the N word in them mm-hmm. uh, that we were just that we were taught. So you were taught certain things. All TV, the TV shows of the nineteen seventies was all, what if a black fella moves in next door to you? That, that, that was the sort of yeah, 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 yeah. main joke. Uh, and, um, and, you know, and, and do you feel that England... I mean, I'm, it's mainly England I'm talking about, because I yeah, think yeah. the rest of the United Kingdom has done a lot better. No, maybe not Northern Ireland. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but do, do you feel we've progressed? Because, you know, that sort of, that, that sort of stuff wouldn't be on TV anymore, mm. and, and kids, mm. kids growing up wouldn't be just innately taught to be racist, and wouldn't, and would yeah. it, would, it, would that? I mean, some would, but not 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 to that degree. Yeah, no, I think there has definitely there has definitely been change, and that kind of like explicit racism is not um, as present in the way in 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 the way that it was that you're describing but racism is actually like quite sophisticated and like it morphs and it adapts so even though there's not necessarily that level of explicit stuff i don't think that means that 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 doesn't mean that we've kind of like solved the problem and that it's 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 gone away but certainly there has been there has been change yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um but i quote james baldwin quite a lot in the book because i'm a big fan of his writing and even though he's writing in the 1950s and the 1960s i just think he's you know even for now his writing seems you know kind of streets ahead of um of, of lots of other like more contemporary voices but he's he's talking about he says all european people have um there's a deadly temptation to feel an innate superiority so there's a do you want to elaborate? <laughs> um, so there's a deadly temptation to feel an innate superiority. Um, and I think that is something that, yeah, just has to be, has to be like engaged with, you know. But whiteness was created to, to, to create that sense of an, innate, of an innate superiority, you know. 
So that's, that, that, that's there in the DNA of the racial classification and the racial category. And I'd sort of felt like racists would die out. You know, the, the racists are old, so therefore racism would die with old people. But mm-hmm. it, that doesn't seem to be happening. No, I don't, th- I don't think there's any... Um, I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that... Um, I think that sometimes I feel this, this generation, this um, division of people in terms of generation is actually, again, maybe like a bit misleading. I don't even know if it's like empirically correct, but right. I think there's lots of older people who probably like aren't really racist and lots of younger people who probably are yeah. really racist, you know? I don't think it's necessarily determined by your generation. No. It might show up differently, you know, the way you... Um, the the racism might show up differently based on on your generation but i don't think it's fully determined just by your age no and you know i sort of feel sorry for the you know in a way i feel sorry for those guys and right about the moment but the guys who were sort of furiously protecting the statue of winston churchill and sort of fight so got so confused they were punching each other and the police because <laughs> nobody had turned up to and they're so angry, you know, they're so angry, and yet all of their problems come from, from within, you know, from them not knowing who their, their, their yeah, real yeah, enemy yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if only their, their anger could be more effectively directed, yeah. you know, in some way that might bring them some sense of peace and, like, fulfilment. Yeah. But, you know, is, are they, is, there, is that sort of feeling of... I mean, it's sort of been proven wrong, hasn't it? Because we've, we've, they've sent home everybody who came to the country to work for us and they've discovered nobody in England wants to take those jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So That's... there weren't people coming over and taking their jobs. They'll accept... But, it, but it's, it, I think it's very hard to change minds because it's very hard to change people's minds when they've got that committed to their point of view, to that, to that degree that they won't even listen to an argument. So it, it, that's, they're the guys you have to convince for sexism, for racism... Those guys, and it's those particular guys in Trafalgar Square, they're both sexist and racist and angry with themselves and want to punch someone because they're so... Because they're lost. They, they are, I understand. I get it. They feel lost and they feel emasculated by their own definition of what a man is. They feel like the world's changing. Mm-hmm. And they need as much help as anyone, really. To... Sometimes I think... I don't actually... Know, I'm not familiar with okay. this, this, this group of men, sadly. I think you um, are. I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, this, this, particular, this, this, this yeah. particular incident... Um, yeah, I have, I have a, a kind of vague awareness of it. But um, I think that there are kind of like fringe extremists that, um, you know, it's not even really about them. Like, there's people that it probably would just be completely, like, wasted energy and effort. Like, they're too far gone. But I would imagine that those people are more... Um, are a minority. And I think there's a lot of other people who are more, like... who could be more easily persuaded in certain yeah. ways, but they're... A- but, the, but the way think, But they actually become alienated and then are more susceptible to going that way, you know? But I think it's about um, kind of persuasive arguments. Yeah. yeah, and I think there are people that... I think there's a kind of mass of people that are, that are kind of probably more open to being easily persuaded. I, I think so. I mean, I'm a sort of hopeful, but I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. It feels like the world hasn't got much of a chance because of the environment and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so, yeah, but I'm sort bleak. of hopeful that, 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 that things will... I, it just feels like, you know, when you look back at Victorian times, people go, oh, they ch- put kids up chimneys and they do this. What a load of idiots. And no one then... It's the same thing I was talking about. You're not prepared to turn that focus onto yourself. Oh, and think, imagine what... I mean, I just hope in 100 years' time that people would look back and go, why the hell did people have this big issue about just, the, you know, the colour of someone's skin? It's absolutely insane. Yeah, so but even like, even like our, our reliance on things like coltan, you know, in our phones, in, our, in all of the devices that we are so... Um, that we are so like addicted to and so reliant on. Like I actually think, you know, when people are like, oh, I never would have used like slave produced products. And I'm like, like you totally would have if it was normalized because you'll use coal, t- you'll use these minerals that are mined by children in like horrific conditions and not really think twice about it or wear clothes that are like, you know, made by sweatshop 
laborers. So yeah, m- most people probably will go along with like appalling things if they are if they're normalized and they'll just kind of compartmentalize it and justify it to themselves in some way. Yes, that's sad, isn't it? <laughs> um, what are you, what are you going to do next? Emma? <laughs> well, I'm not a white person, so I don't need to do anything. <laughs> can I can I tell? Can I? I don't think I should be able to tell. No, um, I, I, do you do you? Because uh, you're finishing. You've been. This is your PhD as well, right? This. You know, this this well, isn't my the, PhD. The, this was but, just like a little 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 cute side product but, project uh, in um, in lockdown. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, I'm actually in the in the final year of my PhD. Yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna just gonna finish that off. And then do you want to move? I mean, you're a fantastic writer and Thank thinker. You. <laughs> Thank you. Are you going to? Does it? Is it irritating that I've just talked to you for an hour about? I mean, about your book. To be fair, you you started it, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's uh, that's it, it sort of I, I, it annoys me that I have to have this com- like a conversation with you. you know what I mean? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. Whereas if you were a, a mm-hmm. white author, I would talk to you about other stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you are you keen to write about other stuff? Or yeah, you, like a hundred percent. Like I I intend to write more, and the next book that I'm planning will be will not be non-fiction, it will be fiction. Okay. But yeah, it won't have race as like kind of. I often feel like I didn't want to write anything on allyship i didn't even really want to contribute to the allyship conversation i felt like provoked by everything that i was seeing by by what was happening around me and i was like no i actually need i need to there needs to be an intervention like i actually felt like a duty of service to write that but yeah there there are many many other things that um that 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 interest me and that i would like to be you know thinking and writing about as well and Antiques Roadshow, would you go back? <laughs> of course. But you're going to, I mean, you're any, as, as well as being a great writer, you're an extremely glamorous person. So I'm sure TV is knocking down your door to, I mean, if you're not watching the video of this, the outfit is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> um, so I'm sure that there's, that, that, that's a pot. Do you, do you miss the days when academics were really disgustingly ugly? And mad? <laughs> do you miss those? Da- I miss those days. I don't know that. I don't know that I we miss. live in a time where academics are like renowned for the their one, glamour. The ones, you're, the ones you're allowed to see are all good looking now. They don't. They they hide away. That's what your next book should be about. We, okay. Yeah. Okay. Why, bring out the ugly academics again. Get them out. Let them on the telly again. You used to watch Open University, and it just used to be. People who were barely like human. I mean, if if they didn't, they weren't speaking. You would think they were a different species. Someone like Stuart Hall seemed quite suave and sophisticated. Yeah, I don't know. Well, there's you know. I, would, I, 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 dis, I don't. That's the only bad thing about you is you're too glamorous. Well, do you know what the coat? I didn't plan on wearing the coat on stage. I'm just having. So, well, first of all, I was a little bit cold when I was backstage. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's actually it fucking cold. freezing. So I was like, let me keep my coat on. I didn't realize it'd be so hot out here. But also, I was having something of a wardrobe malfunction. So I was like, for the sake of decency, I'll keep the coat on. But now I'm actually quite uncomfortable okay. and kind of sweating. What animal died for that green <laughs> that green fur you were? Oh my god, it's faux fur. <laughs> No animals were harmed in the making of this coat. No, I'm, I'm, I'm um, Look, it's been really lovely to meet you. Likewise. I'm, I'm, I'm an awkward guy, aren't I? But, you know, <laughs> I do the awkward thing at the beginning and then suddenly I get all perceptive, don't I, in the middle? I wish it was, de- I wish it was deliberate. I wish it was deliberate. I, l- I lull them into false insecurity. And I've got the... Then I got it. <laughs> my, that's my review... I'm just I'm just preempting the YouTube reviews of this. Which I'm, you know. Look forward to look forward to that. They don't know guys who go on YouTube don't like uh, women or people who aren't white. That's what I've noticed. So uh, I've noticed that. But I just delete your comments, guys, if you put them so and block you. Um, look, I will look forward to whatever's coming next. Thank, Thank you very you. much Thanks for having me. For coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, Emily Eva Dabbery. You got it right. Yes. <laughs> you have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Emma Dabbery. Thank you to Scant Regard for playing the music on these titles. I am indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I am also indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, and everyone at Go Faster Stripe. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for looking after us so brilliantly. Thank you to Ben Walker for eating a big sandwich during these credits. (laughs) 
This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Head to GoFasterStripe.com slash badges. Become a monthly badger. You'll help us make more podcasts and you'll get loads and loads of lovely extras, including a badge and a membership pack and a secret code and backstage interviews that you can't see anywhere else. See you soon! Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Thanks for listening. Go to GoFasterStripe.com for all your download needs. Thank you to Chris Evans, as always. Not that one, uh, for the spectacular work he does on all of these podcasts. Uh, RichardHerring.com for all your gigs needs as well. Thanks for listening. Listen to another one. Go on, I dare you.